So, how's everyone doing? Everyone's good? Awesome. Well, buckle up, because tonight we're talking about circumcision. I saw all the guys' faces like, woo. <laughs> yeah. Deeply qualified. Uh, <laughs> okay. So the story is about circumcision, but it's about um, so much more, so, so much more. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're just going we're just gonna to talk about it. So my heart's beating really fast. I don't know if you can hear it, like, because the mic's next to my chest. I, there, boom, 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 boom. See, there it is. There it goes. Uh, yeah, sorry. Comedy is what I do when I get nervous. So, you know. Anyway, so um, I think we have a slide. The Council at Jerusalem, Acts 15, verse 1 through 11. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders, to whom they reported everything good, everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to a party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting the neck of the, on the neck of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Okay, so... Interesting, like, discussion of topic. Uh, you know, like, Ryan a few weeks ago talked about how the gospel was for everyone, Gentiles and Jews alike. But um, because Christianity was considered a sect of Judaism, this brought up a lot of very interesting questions, like, we think that new baby Christians should be circumcised. Um, and so, really, the big thing that's being discussed here is whether or not the Gentiles need to come to the law before they can come to Jesus. So, that being said, I think we need to go ahead and take a look at the law and sin. So the law is called Mosaic Law, which I think is funny because I picture a little mosaic and it's great. But um, according to Wikipedia, I'm not kidding, I actually got this definition from Wikipedia, sin is the act of violating God's will. Um, so sin and us is very interesting because, you know, we're people and we're creations of God, but we're distinctly different from God and that God is perfect and holy, um, and we are not. <laughs> we have sin, and we are very capable of committing sin in our life. I don't know about you, but you don't have to teach a kid to sin. I remember one time my brother, when he was two years old, knocked over a plate, and I asked him, I said, Ian, did you knock that over? He lied right to my face and was like, oh, Claire did it, our dog did it. And I was like, okay, Ian, yeah, real, real smart kid. Um, so, you know, we can't deny that everybody sins. Um, and so, Something, ooh, I just said a word and then, you know, uh, 
So Romans 3.23 establishes that the penalty, whoopsies, not yet, not yet, Justin, not yet. But take it back, take it back. There we go, there we go. Romans 3.23 establishes that the penalty of sin is death. Um, and if you don't believe me, just take a look back at Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve brought sin into the world and they first sinned, they spiritually died and were cut off from God. They had to leave the garden. Um, even in, uh, throughout the Old Testament, any time that someone sinned, there was always a sacrifice. Um, the only thing that could cover sin was blood. And so, um, you know, that's like, you know, blood, who? But that's the point, is that the penalty of sin is death. And because we have sin, we are separated from God. And so, you know, God loves us, so, and he wants us to, like, be able to commune, have community with us. And so he had a solution in the first, in the Old Covenant. And the Old Covenant established the law through Moses. And uh, what are some things from the law of Moses? Anyone can just... Don't eat pigs, yeah. The Ten Commandments. Come on, guys, you're so quiet tonight. You know what? Fine, I'll keep going then. Um, so, um, the for you, I, I, yeah, that too. Um, so, the law is very important because the law illuminates sin. It illuminates sin, um, especially since we have that separation in the garden. God was able to verbally tell Adam and Eve what was wrong and what was right, but being separated from God, he's not going to just like whisper in or you're, hey guys, this is wrong and this is right. So we have sin, or so we have the law. <laughs> Ooh, I'm a little nervous. Um, and like I said, the law illuminates sin. It tells us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And if we're doing something wrong, it tells us how to fix it, i.e. make a sacrifice. Um, so the big point here is that keeping the law is the way to righteousness and it is the way to your salvation. You want to go to heaven and be with your creator, you need to follow the law, and that's the only way that's going to work. Um, and if you don't follow the law, then you have to make a sacrifice in order to like repent and clean yourself of that. Um, so going back to Acts 15, this is the mindset of the Pharisees. Their entire culture, their whole people, uh, for thousands of years has been tied up in this idea of the law, this idea that we sin, we are separated from God, and we have to make a sacrifice in order to reach salvation, that the law is the key to salvation. Um, but we have the benefit of being born on the other side of Christ, and we know that that's, uh, that's, that's not true. Uh, so think back with, to me, with me to Abraham and Isaac. Whenever he's about to sacrifice Isaac, um, an angel of the Lord's like, no, don't do it. That's weird. Don't do it. The Lord says no. And so Abraham's like, yes. And then what do they see stuck in the bushes? A ram, and what is special about that ram? Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's like pure, and there's no blemish in it. And that's the thing. That was the that was the uh, what's the word? That was the stipulation of sacrifice. That your sacrifice had to be sufficient. It had to be perfect. It didn't have. It couldn't have any blemish. That that wasn't good before God having like sacrificing something for your imperfectness that was imperfect. And so. Um, Abraham and Isaac were given this perfect, beautiful lamb, and that was sacrificed in place, in, in, their pla in Isaac's place. And so God has established that it has to, there has to be a perfect sacrifice for sin. And so God comes to earth, right, and his name is Jesus, and in, in the form of Jesus, and he lives a sinless life. He's both man and God, but he's distinctly, not, he's distinctly both because he does not sin. And because he is perfect and holy while being a man, he is the only sacrifice sufficient to cover every sin that was, is, and will be committed. So, so Christ pays our sin debt. 
And this is what it means in Matthew 5, 17, when it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The fulfillment of the law is, our, is the salvation of our souls. Instead of the law being key to salvation, Christ is now the key to salvation. Christ himself. The law is us approaching God, but Christ being the key to salvation is God not just approaching us, but dwelling in us. Um, and that's huge. That's a complete and total paradigm shift. It completely like changes, it's a game changer. It changes everything. Um, our righteousness was once dependent on our ability to follow the law. And I don't know about you, but I'm really not good at following the law. I mean, I'm pretty sure there was pork in that chili, so we are all terrible at following the law. Um, but now the good news is, is that that's not the case anymore. And our ability to gain salvation um, is not, does not rest on us. It is Christ dwelling in us and Christ being righteous in us. Um, Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So this idea that our salvation does not depend on our righteousness, but on Christ's righteousness in us, that is freedom. I just want everyone to let that sink in for a second because that really is freeing. I make a lot of mistakes, and I'm one of those people I tend to beat myself up for making mistakes. And knowing that my mistakes do not make me unclean and that my mistakes don't make me unrighteous is huge um, because my righteousness comes from Christ, and Christ has promised to never leave me or forsake me. Um, so that's, that's huge for me. Um, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. I, just, I didn't plan for this. <laughs> so uh, tell me, what is the worst? So we've, we've been set free, yes. What is the worst thing a person having been set free can do? Yay! Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Yes. The, oh, I keep touching the mic. Sorry, guys. Um, the worst thing someone can do that's been set free is go back to, ca to captivity. It's like Jesus sets us free, and then we're like, no, I'm just going to run back. Like, I'm going to be a slave again. And, you know, that's, that doesn't really make any sense. But the thing is, is that that's the reality we live in. We live in a world that <laughs> um, that is constantly telling us to be perfect. We have social media where we are constantly plastering the final takes of our life. And everyone who's like sitting at home, I don't know, I sit and I see like everyone's perfect Instagram posts and I'm sitting here looking at the blooper reel of my life and comparing it to the final cut of theirs. And I'm like, wow, I see people's like, uh, what is it called, a devotional Instagram post you know, hashtag coffee with Colossians. Really needed this time with the Lord today. And it reminds me of all of the times that I don't sit and have my devotional time with God. And we live, we live in a world where we are constantly reminded how unperfect we are. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> um, and so we, beat, we do, we beat ourselves up on these, on these, about these things. And it's almost as if we have an American Christian law. Screw Mosaic law. We have an American Christian law. Who can give me some American Christian laws? Hmm. Go to church. Go to church. Twice, Twice on Sunday. Come on, what else? Tell non-Christians about Switchfoot. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, you know, clean up your dishes in the LFC sink. <gasps> what? Oh, the shots fired. Um, you know, we have we have a ton of. <laughs> you know, it's just like, 
just these things that we do that know make us righteous before man. Because sometimes, like, I know this is the truth that resonates within me. Sometimes in our question, or not in our quest, sometimes in our quest to be righteous before God, we become obsessed with be being righteous before man. I agree. I agree. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, and so Galatians 3.3 3 says, are you so foolish? After being with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Our righteousness comes from Christ alone. We cannot earn it. We can only accept it. So, going back to our friends, in Acts 15, um, in verse 10, it says, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. What does Jesus say about his yoke and his burden? It's easy and light. It's easy and light because our righteousness is found in Christ alone, and that is freedom. <laughs> um, so this passage does conclude with a letter to the Gentiles at Antioch saying that they, do, they, they don't need to be circumcised. Can I get an amen? Woo. Um, but brief guidelines on how they should conduct themselves are given. So something I just want to uh, ask you guys to do, because I know a lot of you guys grew up in church, someone sing to me the Fruits of the Spirit song. Sing a lot. Sing a lot. I know a musical version. I don't know, I don't know, the, I don't know the idea. Come on, someone give it to me. We're not going on until someone gives it to me. Ready? Let's go. Got. Yay! Exactly. So the point I want to drive home is that, yeah, this freedom is awesome, and this freedom is great, but slow down, homeboys and homegirls, because this freedom does not give you the license to sin. Just because we have this great, ins great insurance policy given to us by Christ does not mean that we should go about sinning because we're like, oh, it's okay, the blood of Jesus covered me, the blood of Jesus ran, sets me free. You know what I mean? That's, that's not how it works. Um, the fruits of <laughs> uh, so Galatians 5.13 says, you, are my, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Um, so yeah, the fruits of the Spirit, which everybody, like, if you don't know them by heart, you can kind of like get a sense of what they are. Um, everybody knows them and because these, and they're called fruits, right? They're called fruit. Fruit come from trees. And they are called, or you know, whatever plant really. But they are called fruit. <laughs> they are called fruit because they are the byproduct, the result of Christ in us. I got a knock from Campbell. I'm doing good. Um, <laughs> so these fruits that, um, profess themselves, is that the right word? That, um, that prof profess them? That's clearly not right. Manifest, there we go, manifest destiny, U.S. history. Um, these fruits that manifest themselves in us are only there because Christ is in us. Yeah, they're only there because Christ is in us, and without them, you know, we could fake them, but they're from Christ, and they're a gift. Fruit, I don't know, it's really tasty. The fruits of the Spirit are great as well. And you know when those manifest themselves because of Christ, community and fellowship and great things happen. But it's very important for us to remember that that comes from Christ. You can't earn, you can't earn salvation. You can't earn the righteousness. <coughs> it comes from Christ alone. Um, whew, um, yeah. So now, Justin, Hugh Justin, would you please change the slide? I know that this has pretty much been a message that we've called Acts 15, but it's pretty much about Galatians. 
So we're going to mix it up and throw some Roman date in there. Um, so <laughs> I know, it's real diverse with our Bible here. Um, so if you need a summary of what I've talked about tonight, um, Romans 8 really just wraps it all up in a pretty bow. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ, Je Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did in sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering and so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. So tonight, I want us as individuals to just bask in this freedom that we've been given and bask in this freedom that means that we are righteous not because of what we've done, but because of what he's doing in us. Um, we are free to have a relationship with God because he covered our sins and he paid that price. And I pray that we, in this world of perfection, that we not reject that gift by trying to be righteous in ourselves. This freedom, this relationship that we have with God, it justifies us. It has no end. Um, its love does not know the depths of the ocean because it's bigger. And the vastness of the universe is tiny because of it. And this is all because we have freedom in Christ and all because of what Christ did on that cross for us. Um, so bow with me and let's go pray. <laughs> um, Lord, thank you for this group of people. Thank you for, um, just thank you for them, God, because I do. I see the fruits of the Spirit born through them. Um, I see your freedom in them. We come from so many different places and just backgrounds, and we're so different. It just reminds me of how big your love is. Um, man, I just pray that we would each take time to just rest in you, and that we would take time to just let your love be poured out on us and remember that our righteousness is from you and that everything that is good in us is because it is of you and it is of your nature. And God, I pray that we would just praise you for choosing to knit your soul to our own. Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>